naturally gifted speakers, um, really a pleasure to listen to, um, very gifted when it comes to about the, um, speaking uh, just in general, uh, but also about uh, speaking about the Word of God, um, going through the messages. They're very, very easy to follow. Um, I like the, the cadence that you actually deliver. Uh, I tried to incorporate that into a couple of my messages, uh, very unsuccessfully, I might add, but, but um, uh, John, it's just a pleasure to have you here. And uh, I invite you to come up. Thank you, Sean. Good Saturday evening, everyone. I'm going to do that again. Uh, I'm not listening. We're not hearing you on Zoom, but there's 30 people here or so, so we'll we'll try that one more time. Good Saturday evening, everyone. Yes, Saturday evening as indeed. I invite you to turn with me to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three, just for a moment. Second Peter chapter 3, and as you're turning, uh, allow me to say once again, uh, it's, a, it's a big pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's a privilege, it's a pleasure. We weren't certain if this would all come to be this particular weekend. We weren't certain yesterday uh, as the, the snow was falling, but uh, we flexed and uh, enjoyed some Zooming together last night, and, and tonight we're doing a little bit of both, and And uh, we are honored to be here. It's true, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, My wife is here. She's here. That's right. Uh, Katie is with us. Uh, 17 years. Uh, We celebrate it in October. And so it'll be 18 this coming October. Uh, We have, again, a daughter, Anna Catherine. Anna Kate, who is with us tonight, 15 years of age. She would love for me to say no more, so I will say no more. Uh, Jonathan David, Johnny is here also 13 years of age, and uh, we are, I, I say this and, and I, I don't know how to convey it as sincerely as I want you to hear it and know it, uh, but we are honored to be here. We're thrilled to be here, we're pri- privileged to be here, and uh, it's been a wild season for us, and so we're especially just grateful. Um, You remember, I think it was three years ago, uh, we considered this reality, that life is hard and it might not get easier. I regret speaking on that subject matter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Actually, I'm not, because that is the heartbeat of uh, the Christian life. It is hard. And so we must, we must trust him. And we, especially this last season, have been... Uh, forced to trust him circumstantially, and it has been incredibly uh, rewarding for us. And I wish I had time to tell you all the details of what that statement means, uh, but we've learned a whole lot about our great God over these last uh, months together. And, and so believe me when I say uh, we're delighted to be with you tonight. I've done a fair amount of camp ministry over the years. I still do it. We're trying to decide right now uh, how many weeks of camp we should do. Should we do the usual? And the answer is no. I know that to be true. So how many should we do? We're still trying to decide. I had a few texts today. Um, uh, Some of you might uh, remember a guy named Jason Graham. Uh, Jason says hello. Uh, He was texting and we're likely going to spend some time at Upper Peninsula Bible Camp in August for family camp. We're sorting those details out, right, Kate? Um, 
But I'm not able to do the same amount of camp ministry, but I love it. And years ago, years ago, I spent uh, a fair amount of time at a camp in the, uh, Washington State, uh, Lakeside Bible Camp. Uh, great ministry uh, just uh, outside of Seattle on, on Whidbey Island, uh, a wonderful camp, beautiful camp. And uh, it was years ago, decades, but there was a, a Christian artist that um, – I was introduced to, not personally, but they sang a song of his entitled The Benediction. And I loved it. This was decades ago, 30 years ago, I'm sure. Uh, the artist's name is Timothy James Meany. And he wrote a song entitled The Benediction. And it was based upon the last two verses of Second Peter. What we looked at last night together. Really the the last words of Peter, if you will, especially as it's recorded in Scripture, but as we understand church history, right near the time of his death, and he says these last words. We talked about these last words, and I try to help you remember them by simply referencing the concept of, of 5G. I could care less about the 5G network as far as cell phones are concerned, but a simple way to remember these G words in the benediction. Do you remember them? I forget, so I need your help. Uh, so what was the first? Guard. And we're supposed to be on guard against all those things that fall into the category of unprincipled men. It's just not talking about guys here. It's the reality of those who are teaching what is false. It's the reality of what is all around us in this culture of absolute chaos. And we could take the time. We won't, but we could and say, can you believe this is happening and this is happening and this is happening too? And you know what the answer is? Our answer should be as believers. Yes, I can believe that because we're warned of it. This is what it's going to be like in the last days and we're in them. They were in them, Peter and Paul, and we are in them. They're not just few, but they're final. And so Paul tells us, and Peter tells us, and the Lord Jesus tells us, and Jude tells us that this is what it's going to look like. So we shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be shocked, but we're to be on guard against everything that is contrary to this faith that we're to fight for. On guard. So we don't fall from our own steadfastness. I said to you last night, and I love this, that there is the reality for the believer that we can have stability in life as a Christian. We can be steadfast, immovable, as Paul says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That does not mean we will not sin. But it does mean that as a way of life, the prevailing reality of our life is stability and steadfast. And so Peter says, having warned us in almost all this epistle of the false teaching that is around us, that will be around, was around them and is around us, he warns us about that. Danger, danger, warning, warning. So be on guard, lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Stability is a reality. We'll see that tomorrow, Lord willing, that we can have security and stability in life as a believer. 
The second uh, and third G words were what? Help me. Grow grace. Grow in grace. And the grace that is found in the knowledge uh, of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus. We'll see that in chapter 1 in just a moment. Evan had a great question about that. What is the grace concept here conveying as we compare it to knowledge? And I did uh, tease you a little bit with uh, the, some teaching on discipleship last night. I don't know if you saw that I snuck that in there. But discipleship has and involves two things. Impartation, which is cognitive intellectual, informational, and imitation, which is experiential. It's the learning out what is lived. And that word knowledge often conveys and does in numerous uh, occasions in Second Peter both and. It's the knowledge of who he is and are growing in that knowledge. But as we grow in that knowledge and obey what we learn, our lives are changed. And so when Peter talked about salvation, he was talking about from the beginning to the end, often, not always. We'll see tonight in just a moment that he talks about saving faith, which has to do with the moment we trusted in Christ. Our saving faith. But knowledge is both intellectual, informational, and uh, experiential, imitating the, the one in which uh, we have learned from. And Peter was an example of that. A disciple of Christ. A student or learner of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ who not only learns what he thought, but who lives what he taught. A disciple is a learner and a liver. And so we have this sustaining grace that helps us to grow so we can know him more and more and more and become like him more and more and more until we are with him. Progressive sanctification. So at the end of his life, as he writes these words, you can hear him saying, I want you to grow I want you to grow in grace. He's repetitive on purpose. He says that in the second chapter. We won't get there. But he's stirring up our minds by way of remembrance. Peter wants us to remember some of the very basic things. Why? So we might grow in grace. We pray it with our kids. I told you last night, and I'll tell you again. We try to pray that each and every uh, evening with our kids. We've been actually praying these five G's with them as we as a family have been studying this together. That we might be on guard, that we might grow in grace, ultimately with the focus of bringing glory to the one who deserves it. For God's number four, glory number five. That we might glorify our Heavenly Father and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that how we live how we walk, how we talk, what we see, what we say, what we do might bring him glory, might show him off for who he is, that people might see how we're living and glorify the one who deserves the glory. That should be our heartbeat. And that was Peter's. And Jude's benediction concludes that same way, doesn't it? That someone else might get the glory. 
I reminded you last night, as I need to be reminded for lots of reasons these days, that we can't bring glory to ourselves and to God at the same time. It's one or the other. So whose glory are we living for? I encouraged you last night. I don't want to even say challenge, but I did. Uh, And hopefully I encouraged you by way of challenge to memorize 11 verses. Maybe you already have. Maybe you've already memorized these 11 verses. But if you haven't, I encourage you to do so this year as an individual or with your family or with friends, whatever the case might be. If you have memorized them before and you've forgotten and need a little refresher, that's very Peter-like. He would say, I need to remind you of these things. I'm stirring up your mind by way of remembrance. Like if we have queso that needs to go in the microwave it's crustaceous on the top right you know what i'm talking about but we mic it and then we stir it up so it's as it's intended to be peter uses that language here especially as he knows his life's about over so i'm reminding you peter says so the the first 11 verses of second peter chapter one are a great summary of what the christian life is all about A great summary of how we can be on guard and especially grow in grace for God's glory. Tonight's section, Lord willing, is uh, verses 1 through 4. I talked about this last night. I gave you a handout tonight. I'll send it to the Zoom land so you have it tomorrow electronically to share the screen. But the truth is it's an after our session outline. I'm not going to follow it perfectly. There's more on that outline than I'll share with you. Uh, I'll share with you more than is on that outline as well. But use it as a little bit of a summary uh, of what we're considering. Verses 1 through 4, we're considering this reality. How do we grow in grace? How can we be on guard, grow in grace for God's glory? Consider and remember God's resources. That's our heart uh, for tonight. What is it that we can pause and and realize that our generous God, our granting God, our God who is infinite in his benevolence, what has he given to us? Peter writes, and he wants us to remember that. In verses 1 through 4, he reminds us of God's resources. Verses 5 through 7, maybe we'll begin that tonight. For sure, we'll look at it in the morning as the Lord wills. God's resources, one through four, our responsibility, five through seven, and then the results, 11, eight through 11. Now, I want to say this to you. Those results are intended to be encouraging. They're intended to be results that we see as positive, that we can go after as we're taking what God generously has given to us, and as we're using those things responsibly, that we would indeed see these results in our lives. Uh, Some of you I know are familiar with the uh, academic life, uh, and I know in variety capacities. We have teachers, we have those who have been involved in in, uh, higher education at various levels, and one of the heartbeats, whether you like it or not, Uh, of higher education, education as a whole, is measurable outcomes. This reality of assessment. How are we doing? What are the results? And so 
8 through 11, gives us the results. And they're intended to be positive. But let me say this to you. If we're not taking what God has given to us, and if we're not using those resources responsibly, we're going to be convicted when we see the results. In this text, we're going to be convicted that the results that should be there aren't there. I had a professor in seminary, many of you know his name, Howard Hendricks. And when we would get to a particular passage that was challenging or convicting, he would say to the class, that's too convicting, let's move on. That's too convicting, let's move on. And this passage might do that. It might convict you as the word of God does. And praise the Lord for that. That it might be that we all need to revisit these outcomes, these results. And if they're there, keep on working at it. So they continue. And if they're lacking, that we might say, I need to give a little attention to this area. So we'll get there uh, tomorrow, uh, as the Lord wills. Tonight, for the, the time that remains, I'd love for us to think about God's resources. What is it that he has uh, blessed us with how has he blessed us and so i'd love to look at that with you in verses one through four would you pause with me as we pray and ask god to help us father we we pray that you would help us tonight we pray that we would enjoy the the reality and privilege of gathering together many of us in person uh others online via Zoom, and regardless, we praise you that we can meet together in this fashion. And we pray tonight, even in these uh, first four verses of this chapter, that we might be refreshed and reminded of some, just some, of the resources that you have blessed us with. I pray that we would see these for what they really are, and we might respond to them responsibly and do what your word tells us to do in this section and and all throughout scripture that we uh, that we indeed in turn would see the results positively in our lives until ultimately our salvation is complete and we are in glory and so encourage us and convict us and challenge us And refresh us tonight. Remind us. Stir up our minds by way of remembrance, we pray. As we look at this passage that we all have looked at over the years before. But a a reminder for us anew and afresh in 2022. As we want to be on guard. As we want to grow in grace. Ultimately for you, God. For your glory. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. When you think of the term bondservant, what comes to mind? I'm asking you. So what do you think? What comes to mind? Sorry, Zoomlanders. Uh, we can't hear from you, but the audience might uh, be heard when they respond. A bondservant is what? That's, I love that, Phil. Someone with a hole in their ear. You go back to the Old Testament And you you learn the custom of what happened after a period of time where a servant was given the option to go free. But then they're given the, the choice to say, my master has been so good to me that I choose to serve him for life. 
and they are earmarked, if you will. Their ear is pierced as a uh, symbolic reminder that they are bond servants, servants of choice. When you see the phrase bond servant, it's really important to be reminded that they're not doing so because they have to. They're not doing so out of, solely out of duty. They're doing so because of the reality of the life-changing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who he is and what he has done and the difference that makes. Do you think that made a difference to Peter? And so Peter is a bond servant, a servant of choice. He establishes also his apostolic authority uh, that he indeed was qualified. He met the requirements of an apostle. Uh, he was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw uh, the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected. He is a sent one uh, with a specific job and task that not everyone, uh, very few, uh, are qualified to do. Can you imagine? And I love this thought. I don't want to chase this rabbit too long again tonight. But imagine Peter when he met the risen Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing to consider? Again, a private appearance, it would it would seem. First uh, Corinthians 15, Luke 24. Go tell the disciples and Peter. The risen Savior had Peter on his mind. And so he wanted to see Peter face to face, and he did. And can you imagine how that changed Peter's life? Such to the extent, in Peter-like fashion, he was willing to follow, to follow regardless of circumstances, as we see in the end of John chapter 21. Peter uh, establishes his apostolic authority. Not only is he a servant of choice, but he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have received something, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. We could spend the rest of the evening talking about that word faith. I don't want to. Actually, I would love to, but there would be too much to cover uh, tomorrow. But the word faith here conveys the reality of a concept that's known as saving faith. Saving faith. The faith that is demonstrated when someone trusts in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I had a chance to connect with my niece today and her family. And uh, Sean and I were able to have a, a nice visit catching up a little bit. Really enjoyed that today. And uh, somehow, um, well, we were talking about creative ways uh, that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, conveyed. Uh, I referenced the chosen last night, and Sean said, I love how they bring out the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfect deity, perfect humanity, never sinned. That's the person of the Lord Jesus but they do a wonderful job of that. And Sean said something interesting. I, I appreciated that when I watched years ago, Jesus of Nazareth. Do any of you recall watching that? That was decades ago. Uh, the depiction of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And I watched it on a, a small box television in the, uh, our family room when I was young. And I remember that night talking to my parents. I had some 
some doubts, some uncertainties of my salvation. Likely had made a profession prior to that night, but I just wasn't sure. And so I asked my parents some questions. So thankful that I could do that. I talked to my parents. I have this little card my mom wrote down. I still keep it. And she says, this particular evening, while watching Jesus of Nazareth, Jonathan made a decision once and for all to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Saving faith. Saving faith. I came across not long ago a postcard that my dad wrote. A postcard where he was attending Greenwood Hills as a camper. He wrote his parents and said, guess what? I got saved this week. I have this card when he was in, uh, uh, he wasn't a teenager. He wasn't even a teenager. And he wrote and said, I got saved this week. That's saving faith. Faith where we come to the point and place where we recognize we're lost and we need to be saved. We need to be found. And so we exercise these three things. We don't know necessarily we're doing it at the time, but we exercise these three things. In my simple mind, I remember it with the word cat, K-A-T. I was taught this by a great evangelist in seminary, Dr. Larry Moyer. Saving faith involves three things. Knowledge, K, knowledge of who Christ is. A, acceptance of his person and work. T, trusting in Christ alone. Those three things, whether you recognize that or not, and we don't teach people, first you have to have this and then this and then this. But all three are involved when someone is converted. When someone genuinely accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, knowledge of who he is, acceptance of what he did, his person and work, and trusting in Christ alone. It's interesting that it involves these aspects, intellect, knowledge, acceptance, emotion, trust, volition, or will. All three of those things are involved. And think about your salvation story. That's true for you, too. Whether you've packaged it that way or not, those things happened. Knowledge of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, accepting his person and work, and then trusting in Christ alone. Peter says, you know what? That happened to me. And if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have something in common. Can you imagine that? Peter saying, you have the same kind of faith like we do. Trusting in Christ alone for salvation. So one of the resources, if you will, that we've been blessed with is our salvation. It starts there, and you'll see that in in verses to follow as well. Peter, again, identifies himself as a bondservant, establishes apostolic authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, having received faith, saving faith of the same kind as ours. How did that even come about? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful uh, description of the person of Christ. Our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How's that for deity and humanity evidenced and communicated in such an address? Salvation. 
Resource number one, saving faith, involving, involving, involving knowledge, acceptance, trust. That happened to me when I was watching Jesus of Nazareth. I knew the gospel, but I, I wasn't certain that I had trusted in Christ alone. And so I did so that night. I recall, this won't shock you, uh, there being uh, some kind of food celebration. I think there was pumpkin pie that had been made by my mom. And we, uh, we consumed in celebration the uh, reality of my saving faith. Saving faith. We have that in common with the disciples, with Peter. The same kind of faith. We could even say, and Scripture does, as Abraham uh, was saved by faith also, or is, it was reckoned to him righteous by faith. And so everyone that expresses salvation, experiences salvation, it's all based upon this concept of faith. Believing and trusting in, in Christ alone. Whether you were anticipating his coming or you know that he has indeed come, died, was buried and rose again. Saving faith, resource number one. He goes on to say, and I really think it relates to that salvation that begins the moment we trust in Christ. He goes on to say in verse 2, additional resources that are ours, grace and peace. Grace and peace. These words uh, mean more today to me than they ever have. This concept of sustaining grace. You see, we're, we're saved by, uh, by faith. We live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. We know scripture teaches these things, but all of them are smothered and covered in grace. I used to go to Waffle House from time to time when I lived in Tennessee. My wife, I don't know why, she just doesn't love to stop there. But I would go to Waffle House and I would get uh, a patty melt and hash browns smothered and covered. That happens to be the code language for cheese and onions, smothered and covered. And you can have them chunked, uh, which some people don't even like that word. My daughter just revolted. Uh, but I think that's with diced ham and other realities. Here's the story, friends. Grace has everything to do with our salvation, but it also has everything to do with our sanctification. This word grace here is not just talking about grace for salvation, unmerited favor, so you can receive this gift. It is talking about that, but not just that. Because guess what? I'm desperate for grace today. Are you? I'm desperate for grace tomorrow. I can't make it without his sustaining grace. And that's what Peter has in mind here. Grace and peace. Sean loves uh, to listen to an artist named Fernando Ortega. And he sings a song based upon Paul's greeting and Peter's too. Grace and peace. I bet you you've sung it here before. Or you might tomorrow morning. You never know. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. 
there are some churches, and I'm not getting into uh, traditions that are simply traditions, but there are some that greet one another with those terms. And you know what? I like that. I don't like it for the wrong reasons, but I love it for the right reasons because you know what I'm desperate for? And you know what you're desperate for today, tomorrow, until we're in glory? Grace. It's sustaining. And that's what Peter's talking about. And what can we have as a result? Peace. I was privileged. We were as a family to go over to Evan and Juanita's today. Just for a brief time, not nearly long enough, and I wish it could have been longer. But what a sweet treat. And in their guest bedroom wall is a verse found in Isaiah 26, verse 3, which is often memorized. But check out verse 4 as well. It's incredible. But it talks about what we can have when our minds are stayed upon Jehovah. We sing that one, don't we? When our minds are stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are truly blessed, finding as he promised what? Perfect peace and rest. Perfect peace. I know many people who have suffered far more than I did with COVID. I know many people who are with the Lord right now because of their fight with this nasty virus. And I know many people who are with the Lord now who died for other reasons as well and who are struggling uh, more than we can ever think or imagine now waiting for the ultimate solution, which is glory. But in the midst of it all, they can have and we can have peace, perfect peace. That's not something feel good. It does feel good, but that's not something mystical. It's something that is incredibly real that Paul says you can't even explain it. You can't even comprehend it. You can't even take it in this peace that surpasses our our knowledge that that guards our minds, how we think and our hearts, how we feel. We can have this peace. And I can tell you this. My sweet wife, she hates when I do this, and so I'll stop. But what an incredible blessing my wife is. And and the care that she has provided for me and for us as a family. And listen to me when I say this to you. She, throughout it all, had peace. Perfect peace. Doesn't mean it was easy. There were hard conversations where she was told things that she didn't want to think about and was planning things that she didn't want to plan. And yet in and through it all, there's this concept known as peace. And Peter writes here and says, guess what? Don't you, I'm dying, by the way. This is about it for me, Peter says. So don't you ever forget that you have the same kind of faith that that I have. Faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what I desperately want for you? I want you to experience every moment multiplied over and over. I want you to experience this sustaining grace 
and this peace. May it be multiplied to you over and over. Cherry on top of the Sunday. I don't even like cherries on top of the Sunday, but it conveys the reality of everything multiplied over and over again. May you have this grace and may you have this peace. And if there was ever a day that we needed it, it's today. Don't you think? And guess what Peter says? You can have it by the truckload. Because that's who our God is. He's infinite in his benevolence. He's a generous and granting God. So I'm writing to you, and I want you to know again, I'm a bondservant, no doubt. I'm a servant of choice, by choice. I'm an apostle. I'm qualified, and I establish that authority. And let's start right where I like to start and talk about our salvation, which is so great. Peter talked about that even more in 1 Peter. But he mentions it again now, this idea of saving faith, saving faith. And with that, we also have this sustaining grace and peace, perfect peace, resources. Now, how you take notes, I don't care. You can say number one is salvation or saving faith. Letter A and B coming with that is grace and peace. Or make it number two, grace, and number three, peace. It doesn't matter. It's not on your handout. Write it in on your own. You don't even need to. It's in the text. And that's plenty. Grace and peace. May you have it in abundance, he writes. And then in verse 3, we are just moving right along, aren't we? Then in verse 3, he says, I don't want you to ever forget this. And so he uses a phrase that I love. Seeing. I want you to see it. I want you to realize what it is and and look at it and take it all in. He says, seeing that his divine power has given us absolutely everything we need for life and godliness. I want you to see that. Don't you ever miss it. Believer, beloved, those who have the same faith as we do in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't ever forget, not only do we have saving faith, grace and peace, we also have his divine power that has given us something. I've referenced music uh, probably more than I realize, but I remember having a CD by Acapella, and uh, the the cover of it uh, is a, an oceanic view, rocks in a, uh, on the ocean, if you will, on the water. And I think it's entitled Set Free. I think that's the name of the album. And they sing a song based upon this verse that whenever I quote it, I can't help but think of the song. I'm not going to sing it to you. You're welcome. But what a wonderful, powerful song that says we need to see that he and his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The way that that is stated here is it is stated that it comes with the package. It's not something that you'll get later when you have grown enough. It's something that you have that comes with the package. It's part of the salvific package. You have everything you need 
for life and godliness. I'm not saying, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that there is the need for maturity and progressive sanctification and discipleship and growing. That's what this is all about, growing in godliness. But nevertheless, Peter says, guess what you have right now? You have everything you need to live a godly life right now today. So I'm going to ask the audience here uh, your response to that. And I, uh, I won't wait for long, and I'll give you mine. But I'd love to hear yours when you are reminded. And again, Peter loves to do that, uh, to stir up our minds by way of remembrance. When you're reminded that one of the resources that God has given you, in addition to your salvation, in addition to this sustaining grace and this peace perfect peace that guards our minds and hearts is divine power that provides everything we need to live a godly life. What's your reaction to that today in the midst of this culture that is bananas? What do you think? It's amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. I love that too. Wow. What else comes to mind? What's your reaction to that? We have the uh, Trinity in us. We, we, We have the indwelling Holy Spirit, and the Trinity engaged in our reality. You know what I found uh, uh, out the last couple of years uh, as we've gone through crazy days? I knew it, but it just has come together in the last couple of years. That the word for comforter in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where our Father is described as the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, and that comfort passage that's tongue-twisting, where comfort is used over and over and over again. That same word is used to describe the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father. So the Trinity is at work. Are you kidding me? All three of them want to help us. And it's not just help like, hey, I know what's going on, and I feel bad for you. It's help that is, I will come right alongside you, and I will lift you up, I will encourage you, I will comfort you. Isn't that beautiful? It's not beautiful because I said it. It's beautiful because it's true. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the same word, advocate, paraclete, is the same root word that is used for the Trinity. They're all on the job helping us. I love that. I love that. I've especially enjoyed the last several incarnation seasons which we love to celebrate all year round in our family christmas is coming we love to celebrate this reality and i love to see how the father son and spirit were involved in the incarnation what a great study great study that was a rabbit we chased it i'm back what else what else is a reaction to his divine power has given us everything we need for godly living for life and godliness. What's another reaction to that, Sarah? It's a relief because it's not on me. I love that one. It's a relief. It's a relief. Abe, were you going to say something? We have this book, and we're going to look at that in just a moment as it's, it describes and contains these precious and magnificent promises as another resource. Let me comment on the relief comment. The idea of relief conveys that it's not solely and completely up to us. And it also conveys this, that regardless of the struggle, regardless of the heartache, regardless of the temptation, regardless of the issue, we have all that we need for victory right now. It means 
that we can never say, I couldn't help myself. We can never say, the devil made me do it. We can never say, I was just too overwhelmed and I couldn't do otherwise. That's not what this passage says. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life right now. It's doable. Now, my wife and kids will tell you, I still sin. And your wife and kids will tell me that you still sin. Or others who know you regardless of your station of life, we still struggle with sin. But you know what? We're supposed to sin less and less, not more and more. We're supposed to become more and more like him until we are with him. So don't buy into the lie that this uh, sanctified living can't be our norm. It's supposed to be. Because he's given us everything we need to live a godly life right now today. My, my family is giggling right now. Have I done something wrong? What have I done? Have I said something inaccurate? Are you, are you questioning my theology? Okay, thank you for coming. I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad you're with us. I'm just kidding. Uh, as, you, as you were, as you were. What are these resources that we can consider tonight? What has God given us that we can celebrate anew and afresh? Salvation, saving faith, grace, peace, divine power that gives us everything we need to live a godly life. How do we even get that? That's part of the package deal. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And I want to focus in on glory and excellence because that segues into the next verse. For by these, by what? Verse 4 says that, doesn't it? Are you following? Keeping your finger on the page in Zoom land? Turn off that show and let's, let's make sure we're seeing what God says. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's no games on tonight, right? No games. For by these, for by what? His glory and excellence. That's describing who he is, my friends. And because of who he is and what he is like, he has given to us precious and magnificent promises. I've talked to two of you already uh, who have made reference to a card, three by five, maybe four by six in size, that I gave to you and said, I want you to write down these verses that are your go-to's. These verses that when life is hard, it might not get easier. You recall to mind and able to in order for you to have the help you need through the the comfort of God's word. And some of you still have those in your Bible and on them are written verses uh, that bring great encouragement. That's how we're supposed to think and live. Remembering, recalling to mind these precious and magnificent promises They are our sustenance. I told Sean this uh, today, and I'll I'll share it with you all as well. You're uh, part of the extended family. Our family, obviously the family of God. There was a season for me while I was in the hospital, once I was able to think and realize where I was, um, that I had a horrible time sleeping. Horrible. And, and for all kinds of reasons, that was a reality for me. And had hallucinations that 
Uh, again, they're different from dreams because you really think they're happening. And I dealt with that uh, for night after night uh, while I was recovering uh, from my battle with COVID. And I want to tell you, be, besides the incredible comfort that my wife was to me, and I'd love to tell you more and more about that, but she would not love for me to do that. So I won't, my sweet. But in addition to my wife's comfort, there are two things that uh, I held on to desperately. I had friends who read precious and magnificent promises to me and sent them my way via Marco Polo, and I would play them night after night as I tried to sleep. And I listened to these promises about who God is and what he is like. And I slept. And I would listen to hymns uh, or contemporary choruses based upon scripture that were solid. Shane and Shane uh, and many others like them. Fernando. I talk like I know them. I don't know them, although I met them all that I just mentioned. Um, I listened to these. I listened to these. And they were reminders over and over again. There's a picture with my phone on my chest where I'm trying to fall asleep. And I had to hear it. I had to be reminded that this is who God is and this is what he has said and this is what he has promised. And so regardless, I have peace and I have comfort in the midst of it. And I'm not trying to make a big deal of me and my circumstances. We all have circumstances and we all have heartache and difficulty and we're desperate for these things. Precious and magnificent promises. There's a passage this year. I won't even turn to it. I'll tell you about it. Uh, It's in Exodus 34, verses 5 through 8-ish. It's also in Deuteronomy and Numbers as you, you harmonize the Pentateuch. But it's a place where God says, this is who I am, and this is what I'm like. And that's been rocking my world in 2022. Uh, because I've needed that desperate reminder, especially this last six months, of who God is and what he's like. And I love where I can turn to God's word, and God says of himself, here's what I'm like. I am merciful. I am faithful. And the list goes on and on and on. Look at it on your own tonight before you go to bed. Exodus 34, verse 5 through 8 or 9. So good. So good. And I know you've been there, and that's what we're supposed to do, clinging to these things. For by these, by the glory and excellence of our God, we have these precious and magnificent promises. And what are they capable of? Look what it says as we conclude for tonight. In order that by them, by what? By these precious and magnificent promises, You might become partakers of the divine nature. That doesn't mean we become God as some would wrongly interpret. It means that we would become like him. That's why we use the expression Christ likeness. Or to be godly 
It's not that we become gods, that we become like the one true God in the way in which we live and breathe and roam about the country. That through these promises, precious and magnificent promises, we might become more and more like the Lord Jesus. And these precious and magnificent promises also remind us that we have escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. So we win today and we win ultimately. And the word of God reminds us of that. So I would say to you as we are uh, concluding this evening, what are your go-to again? Precious and magnificent promises. There should be more on your 3 by 5 or 4 by 6 And I know that there are as you have hid hidden God's word in your, your mind so you might not sin against him. These precious and magnificent promises that help us to become like him and remind us of the freedom that we have from sin. Reactions tonight, friends. Four verses. Load it, right? Load it with reminders stirring up our minds by way of remembrance of God's resources, salvation, grace, peace, divine power, precious and magnificent promises. So what's your reaction to that? I love that too. Thumbs up. Amen and amen. Two thumbs up. Send the emoji. What else comes to mind? What's your reaction to these things? And I didn't laser in on the word grant, but I love that word grant. Verse 4, for by these he has granted They're his and he's given to us. He's generous, infinite in his benevolence. Any reactions regarding these four verses? Anything that that stands out to you that you want to say, you know what, I love that. I love that. I need that. I hope that, please, Phil. My response is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the one that was living dead. And now is alive forevermore. Forevermore. Praise God. Praise Him. To Him be the glory. God's glory. Four and five of Peter's 5G network. I'm desperate for these reminders. And so are you. I know you. And we need these reminders. Here's what God has given us. And so you know what we're going to think about tomorrow? What are we supposed to do with these things? He's given them to us. So what is our responsibility and what are the results positively? Or if we don't do what we're supposed to do with what God has given us, what are the negative outcomes uh, potentially as well? We'll look at our responsibility and the results tomorrow a.m. as the Lord wills. But how appropriate for us to be reminded reminded, uh, as we prepare our minds for worship to be reminded of so great a salvation that we have in common with Peter, ultimately through our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for not being stingy, miserly. We thank you for being gracious and merciful and generous and giving and granting. And we've just looked at some of the resources you've given us. We thank you for saving faith. 
We thank you for sustaining grace and peace, perfect peace. We thank you that your divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And we're desperate, desperate for your people to look like and live like we ought to. And so may we realize we have everything we need and we have the Trinity at work on the job helping us, encouraging us, and comforting us. We thank you for precious and magnificent, some translations will say exceedingly abundant or exceedingly great promises. Father, help us to remember them, memorize them, revisit them, learn more of them, realizing that they help us to become more and more like yourself and like your son. We are sanctified through truth. Your word is truth. And so may we realize that your word is at work in our minds and hearts, conforming us uh, and transforming us into the image of your son. And so, Father, help us to cherish these precious and magnificent promises and cling to them Cling to them in circumstances, uh, in all circumstances. Uh, struggles that are small and struggles that are great and struggles that are in between. May we cling to these things, realizing they help us and they remind us of what we've been set free from. We praise you for being so giving and granting, generous and kind. Help us to be responsible with your resources displaying ultimately the right results. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.